Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Uh, we're hearing God's Word this morning from John chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 26, and this is continuing uh, through John. One of the things I want you, uh, last week we saw about John the Baptist pointing to Christ, um, we saw the about the, the testimony of him pointing uh, we get, that we get stuck in earthly things, that Jesus brings us the life of heaven, and that is what we want. We've seen a lot in the first couple chapters of John of what it means that the life of heaven has come down. And what I want you to think about as I'm reading from John chapter 4 here in a moment is something that John said back in, in chapter 1. said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, We've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what we're about to read from John chapter 4, there may be no better example of grace and truth exemplified in one person. So as I read this encounter, this is between Jesus and we call Jesus and the woman at the well or the woman of Samaria, both of which are accurate descriptions. Think about who Jesus is showing him to be and what it means that Jesus has appeared speaking to this woman full of grace and full of truth. So let's hear God's word now from John chapter 4, verses 1 to 26. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here 
when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you love us and that you gave this word for us. That you gave this word so long ago, but you preserved it for us to hear and reflect on this morning. We pray now that as we reflect on your word, that you would speak to us by your spirit. That we may in fact worship you in spirit and in truth. That this word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives. Changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I promised a story. It looks like most of the kids didn't take me up on it. They went to kids' time anyway, which is fine. It's fun there, especially with Nathan. But um, I'm going to read the story anyway, because this is a good story. And if you have not read the Chronicles of Narnia, if you have not read The Silver Chair, whether or not you have children, you really ought to read it. Um, and it's really, in some ways, though a children's story, it's, 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 it's better as an adult. <laughs> um, and so this, in this story, if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion Aslan, the Narnia is a land where the creatures talk, and people from our world find themselves in Narnia from time to time. And in the world of Narnia, the magical world of Narnia, the lion Aslan is the, the Christ figure of that world. He is the one that comes with the messages of God. He is God himself. He is the son of the emperor over the sea. He sacrifices himself for their sake. He's, he's the Christ figure uh, for sure. So Aslan is a lion, and remember lions are terrifying if you're not familiar with lion. Well, Jill here in this story has found herself in Narnia, and she's never been there before. And her friend who came with her, who has been to Narnia before, he just fell off a cliff. Um, and she's pretty terrified, and this is what happens. So Jill is looking for, she's looking for water. She doesn't know what to do. She hears a stream, and she goes through the woods looking for the stream. And she gets there, and nobody, who would be there but the lion himself, sitting right there next to the stream. And he says this, if you're thirsty, you may drink. They were the first words she had heard since Scrub had spoken to her on the edge of the cliff. For a second, she stared here and there, wondering who had spoken. Then the voice said again, if you are thirsty, come and drink. And of course, she remembered what Scrub had said about animals talking in that other world and realized that it was the lion speaking. Anyway, she had seen its lips move this time, and the voice was not like a man's. It was deeper, wilder, and stronger, a sort of heavy, golden voice. It did not make her any less frightened than she had been before, but it made her frightened in rather a different way. Are you not thirsty, said the lion? I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could, could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. 
Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. I daren't come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step near. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. And this, this, uh, this scene, I, I have to believe, that I, I said this in my resurrection weekly. I said, uh, when, when C.S. Lewis wrote this scene in the silver chair, I've got to believe he was thinking of the woman at the well. For this is the same situation in which this woman finds herself face to face with this hope that Jesus has just offered her, the hope of living water, that she would not have to come to the well again. And yet faced with somebody who is absolutely truthful, who will make no bones about the fact that she has lived a life of not upright morality, for she has had five husbands and now is with a man who is not her husband. And not only this, a detail that we might miss, she came to the well at the sixth hour. This is at noon. Noon in the desert is not the time to be drawing water. Why did she come at noon? Because she didn't want to see anybody. Because she is ashamed. And here she is with the promise. And we can see the push and pull here as she said, he says, go call your husband. She's like, let's not, let's not talk about that. I have no husband. And then the truth comes. And then she says, well, you're a prophet. And this is the place, well, where, where are we supposed to worship? Give me some, let's talk about some things, about how this is supposed to work. He says, let's, let's be real. Let's worship in spirit and in truth. And finally, she says, well, how about that Messiah? He's going to explain everything. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's me. There is no other stream. It is just Jesus. And she comes face to face with it. And, and it's beautiful because so many of us can see ourselves in this woman. We carry the shame that she has felt feeling. We carry the hesitations. We're intrigued by the sound of the water, the life that is, what do you mean I could have water that I don't have to draw again? As soon as Jesus says that living water, she's like, yeah, give it to me. Give me this living water. I want that. But, but at a distance. This is how we go to God, is it not? We want what he has to offer. We want it. The life of hope the life of peace, the forgiveness of sins, the, the hope, the purpose, the strength to love other people, to do what is good in the world, and yet we hide from it. We hide. I thought about bringing a mask this morning, but I couldn't, I couldn't really find the right mask. But we put on these masks, we put up these shields, and we try to hide ourselves because we're afraid. We're afraid of coming out into the open, of being exposed. And so we end up in this push with Jesus. That's our problem. Our main problem is we hide. We hide from the reality of ourselves. We hide from the reality of who God is. And yet, he is standing there like the lion, just there in all of his glorious beauty, full of grace and truth. Do you hear the grace in Jesus' words? He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't shy away from the facts. There's truth. There's truth about where to worship. Worship in spirit and truth. There's truth about what God has done through the Jews. We worship what we knew. You, dear woman of Samaria, your people are, are misguided. 
you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing. He, he, he states the truth. You've had five husbands, but he does it with grace. He leads her into that. He, said, he doesn't come with the full force to say, what are you doing? What have you done? He says, hey, you would, could I have a drink? You're asking me for a drink? Well, really, really now, now that we're talking, you should ask me for a drink. Really? He invites her in with grace, but declares the truth unflinchingly. What is Jesus offering to the woman at the well here? What is he offering to us? The main thing we see here is that Jesus is offering living water, the water of life, real and full and abundant life. What kind of life? I love this. Jesus said to her, verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. What does a spring do? That's where the water comes from. Jesus is saying, I, am going to I have come to give you water that you do not need to go and keep getting, getting, getting from somewhere else. I am going to put that inside of you, that you have inside a spring of water, the water, the sustenance of life, what you need to live rightly before God, what you need to love other people well, what you need to figure out this life, to go through it well. I'm going to give it to you inside you, that you have it inside yourself. What do we learn about God here? What's the main thing? Jesus is offering living water. He is offering the very Spirit of God to be inside us, to fill us with new life from the inside out. It's an incredible offer in the face of our shame, in the face of our hesitation. So what do we do with that? What, what is our response? Our only response can be to worship, to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what verse 24 tells us. God is spirit and those who worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus comes in all of his grace and truth. He says, I will give you this living water. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you have been, no matter where you are coming from, come to me and I have living water for you. Just ask and it will be a spring welling up inside of you, filling your life with growth and wholesomeness. What do we do? We simply respond to worship in spirit and in truth. But what does that mean? We see, I can say that, it sounds great. Worship in spirit and truth. Like, All right, Jesus, what does that mean? But we see here three things that he gives us throughout this passage to understand better what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Three aspects of what that is. And it's not exactly what this woman does. She doesn't quite make it. She's on the path. She's doing well. She's like all of us. She's struggling. She's getting there. But it's what Jesus is telling her to do. That's what we have to pay attention to. So first, he says that we must ask. And second, we must admit. And third, we must acknowledge. You like that? I got three A's. We must ask, we must admit, and we must acknowledge. So these are three aspects of what it means to worship in spirit and truth, what it means to take hold of the living water. First, it's verse 10 is where we see we must ask. It's so simple. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's what Jesus says to you. He says, ask. 
This is the first part of worshiping in spirit and truth. Say, I need this. We must ask God for his spirit. We must ask God for his help. She gets this one. She says she gets immediately. She's like, give me, give me this living water. Yes, give it to me. I, I like this. That's verse 15. So she gets the ask. And we too, if we want to worship him, we must ask him. We must ask him for help. I love this book. I've mentioned this before, probably more than once. Uh, in sermons, I've mentioned it to many of you in person. I've talked about it in our discipleship cohort because it is good. Uh, this book is A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Highly recommend. But one of the things that I love in A Praying Life is the way that he talks about asking. He says, look, we have this, we have this block. Of course, we say we must ask. We're talking about prayer. We must ask God in prayer. But we have this block so often when we pray that we feel like we have to only pray for the right things or the most important things or the exact godly things. And we kind of, would God really give me what I want? And Paul Miller says, look, you're a child. He's the father. Just ask. Children ask. Children ask for whatever they want as soon as they want it at the most inconvenient times. And then parents can do with that what is appropriate. And of course, for those of us who are parents, sometimes the asking may frustrate us because we are fallen human parents that don't do everything right. But would you really want your child to never ask? Wouldn't that be sad if your child decided they were never going to get anything good so they never asked you for anything? How much more does our Heavenly Father want us to ask and loves us when we ask, even if we don't ask quite right? Because what Paul Miller says is that when we ask God for what we want, even if we're not quite sure whether it's right, what we are doing is we're entering into a conversation. We're entering into a relationship. When we ask for these things, then we're talking to God about them instead of over here on our own and hiding. And so part of worship and spirit and truth is to come with our whole selves, the good and the bad, and say, God, help me. Give me what I want. God, I want a better job. A more noble, better job? No, I really just want more money right now. It's a perfectly good ask. And then God will work, God will enter into that relationship with you as you ask for that. And he may give you the job that has more money. He may show you that more money is not what you need. That what you thought you needed was money, but what you actually needed was purpose. What you actually needed was security. He may provide for you in other ways, but now you've asked, you're in a relationship with him. You are looking at the right person. So if we want to worship him in spirit and truth, if we want this living water to well up in us, we must ask, we must pray. We must bring all our requests to God like little children. Whenever we think of them, as soon as it comes into our mind, say, God, I need this. I have no idea how it's going to happen, but would you do this for me? We ask and then we listen. As obedient children, as our father says, this, you ask for this, this is what you need. Maybe it's exactly what you asked for. Maybe it's a little bit different. We trust that it will be good, but we must ask. The second thing he tells us is that we must admit. We must admit our sins. This is what Jesus is leading her to. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And then this leads to the discussion of the fact that she has had five husbands and is with a man that is not rightly her husband at the moment. Now this one this one she doesn't quite get to. She never quite, quite gets to admitting. The, the right response here is to say, I have sinned. 
I need your forgiveness. But she's getting there. And Jesus continues to show her grace. And he calls each of us to do the same, to look honestly and say, you know what? I have, I have sinned. I have done wrong. We must admit our sins. Admit what we have done. For we see here in Jesus' gracious response to this woman that even with her partial admission, her less than full confession of her sin, her slight hiding in saying, I have no husband, Jesus just continues to come in grace. Truth, yes, you're right, in a sense. Let's point out that I know what you've done, but with grace. He says, what you've said is true. I'll take it, is what Jesus says. Come, listen to me. Don't try to find your fulfillment in man after man after man. But come to the one who came for his, the perfect husband, coming for the perfect bride of his church. It's what Jesus offers himself as. I am the man that you are looking for. Admit that you have been looking in all the wrong places. Admit that, you, so for her, she had been looking after different men. And we don't know the exact circumstances, of course. That's just what it seems like from the text. For others of us, we've been chasing after money. We've been chasing after success. We've been chasing after the approval of others. We've been chasing after pleasures. And Jesus says, I know that. I know all of that. I know it. Admit it to me. Admit it to one another. I love, I love our resurrection community because one of the things that people frequently say here is that people are real, that we do not, we do not hide about our backgrounds. We do not hide about our failures. It is a beautiful thing. If you're here and you've been here and you've been feeling like you need to hide, you, you don't. You can be real. We all have issues. We all have troubles. We all have failures. But we serve a God who is great and gracious, who looks at those and says, I love you. I'm not going to make light of them. I'm not going to say that they're not a big deal, but I'm going to love you and show you my grace. So what do we do? Of course, we, must, we should confess our sins. That's why we do it every Sunday. But the other piece here to, is to realize that Jesus, Jesus pointed out her sin to us. So a question for each of us to consider is, have I put people in my life who will point out my sin to me? Friends who will feel comfortable saying, I don't think what you're doing is right. I think you are going down the wrong path here. You are focusing on the wrong things. You are speaking unkind words. I think that's actually gossip what you're saying right now, and we probably shouldn't talk about it. Do you have people in your life who will do that for you? Will you be that kind of person for others? Not a busybody, not a gossip, not getting in other people's business in a bad sort of way, but full of grace and truth. Loving your friends enough to say, I don't think this is good for you. Jesus offers something better. And then we come to the pinnacle where we must acknowledge. Jesus' version of there is no other stream. She tries to put him off again. Well, uh, Messiah's coming. He'll explain it. And Jesus says, ah, I who speak to you am he. Worship me. I have come. We must acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We must acknowledge his presence before us. There is no other God. There is no other way. We do not get to define God on our own terms. We can only acknowledge the terms on which he has defined himself to us. All we have, we talked this morning in our discipleship cohort, we were talking about how to read the Bible well. 
And one of the things we talked about that's kind of interesting is that there's no outside source to tell us what the Bible is. All we can do is look to what the Bible says about itself because we need something that is solid to start from. We start from God's own words in the Bible. Who says they're God's words? God's, God says so. Where? In the Bible. I, I can't give you anything else because anything beyond that, we're basically defining God on our terms and we're making ourselves the starting point. But if we are to worship God in spirit and in truth, we must acknowledge him as Lord on his terms, where we put our faith in him and say, Jesus, I don't know what is going on here. I don't know what this is going to feel like. I'm scared. I like hiding. I like controlling things. But I'm going to trust that you are good. I'm going to trust that you really are full of grace and truth, just like you showed the woman at the well just like C.S. Lewis showed us with the lion speaking to Jill. After that scene uh, that I read to you, Jill does go and she drinks. She drinks from the stream right in front of the lion. And it is the most fulfilling water. And then the lion speaks to her. He does discuss what happened to Eustace to Scrub who fell off the cliff. It was Jill's fault that he had. But he does not condemn her for it. He acknowledges her admission of it. And then he gives her a mission. He gives her a task. He gives her a quest. And when we come to worship God in spirit and in truth, we receive from him the living water that he gives us the spirit in ourselves. And he gives us a task. He gives us a world to love, to go out and spread his love to the people around us, the people in our families, the people in our neighborhoods, the people in all the communities of the world. Because he is the one who comes full of grace and truth. He is the one who comes full of living water and he gives that to us. So he calls each of us this morning to believe in him, to trust in him, to give our lives to him on his terms, trusting in his goodness and love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that Jesus came full of grace and truth. We pray that as we continue to reflect on your word, you would show us what this means for each one of us in our own lives, that we may worship you in spirit and in truth and carry out the calling you have given us each day this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.